know me. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we prepare that syringe for insertion with another wellness policy band dose of the one and only performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, still the guy in the marquee, still the voice that you hear. And I've got but one question for you this week, folks. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. Oh, Brandy, you better friggin' believe it that I'm all in. What a time to be a pro wrestling fan. What a time to be a listener of the In This Corner. What a time with all that WWE fatigue to have the independent Super Bowl come sliding in this week. I know not everybody believes that. I don't know. Not, not all of our listeners. I've seen the DMs I've received over the past few weeks. More on that in a second. But we got another loaded show for you this week. You simply won't want to miss not only previewing in-depth the all-in card from Chicago on Saturday, we will take a look at what went down this week in WWE from Raw, SmackDown, and beyond. You know the Silver King's going to be fired up to talk about it. Plus, want to remind you, if you did not catch Tuesday's bonus edition of our WWE podcast, looking at the sound collected at SummerSlam just a week and a half ago, do yourselves a favor and check out the, what, nine interviews the ITC's given you. Silver King and I breaking them down in between. A lot of good little nuggets there. Good stuff. Also, check out the YouTube long-form video interviews of the same chats, if that's your thing there. All right. There's a lot of business uh, out of the way. One more piece of business, of course, since we love long intros on this show is that reminder, folks? You know what I'm about to say. You hear something on the show today that you like. Here you way. see something, say something. Please help us in this audio revolution. Do your part. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever the heck you listen to find audio. I don't know if you got a MySpace app on your phone. These says wherever you're finding this show, go there. Spread the word. Give it. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like about this. You got problems with BC? You think I'm a heel now? Br- bring it. Step in there. Type it. I can take the heat. All right. Just come into my kitchen. It's that time. All right. So with that out of the way, let me bring in my co-host. He can't. He's itching to get in here. You know these long intros gets him all kinds of fired up. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah, I think he fashions himself a good guy these days. The babyface, the protector of all things corporate pro wrestling, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, that was like the Odyssey. It was like reading the Odyssey just to get to my intro. Come on. Well, you know, what are we doing here? You got you to gotta warm them, the people up. You know, you got to come out here and get them fired the heck up. You want them ultimately, Adam, to feel that. Feel that! And I'm feeling that right now this week because it's Independent Super Bowl this week. Raw kicked me in the crotch once again. We'll get into that. But there's an elephant in the room, Adam, I should probably address. If you want. I mean, I'm fine. You're just, let's just move on like nothing happened. What are we? What are we? Italian family here? No, nothing happened. Sweep it under the rug. We had, you know, we had a little, we had a little incident last week on the show that I do want to address and just say, look, listeners, we we got to man up on the show when we're wrong. Sometimes, you know, Nick himself has said it a few different times. Take the L and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. All right, I'll take the L, folks. You want it? You want me to say what I'm going to say? I'll say it. I was wrong in the way I uh, let pro wrestling. And my, my, my love for feeling that, the invasion of my feel house and the protection of said feel house, it got to my head, it got to my loins, it got to my anger spot. And I, and I took it out. I took it out on the listeners. I took it out on Nick Costos. Do I regret the way I treated Nick Costos 
and overlook the contributions he's given to this show? Absolutely. Do I regret my behavior? Absolutely. I will take those L's, Adam. Do I regret specifically calling him the Genetti of this show? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I just want to report that I did reach out to Nick. We did find some level of... uh, of agreement, not agreement, some level of understanding of our situations. I did ask him to appear on the show so I could say this to him, to his face, at least over the magic of Skype. And he didn't decline. He didn't accept either. He's apparently moving this week more, uh, you know, more potentially on this in the future, but we're back in a better spot. And I don't want to harp on this all day, Adam, because you, you, you need to talk. You're, you're itching over there, but uh, I will say it was a embarrassing and regretful situation in the long run. And while I regret my actions, I certainly don't regret what I said, though, Adam, about the product, about what we saw. And that's going to have to be the way it is. I mean, look, we've already litigated it twice, so I'm not going to do it a third time. But you can say whatever you want about last week's show. What you need to be apologizing about is the SummerSlam Instant Analysis Edition, where you took the wind out of anyone's sales who enjoyed the show by unnecessarily crapping on everything and allowing your negative attitude to impact you know, your, your enjoyment of any portion of that show. That's the apology the fans deserve. That's the apology they want. And that is why we received hundreds, not exaggerating, hundreds of tweets saying as much from last Sunday until today's show. So, and believe me, Adam's what you got them all printed out in front of him if you don't think he does. He's well, got I did. I, I didn't get to read them last week because Nick, despite you thinking that he's totally against you, gives me 30 seconds to talk. If you have 10 minutes to read a prepared statement like you're Vince McMahon writing a script for Roman Reigns. Well, I mean, look, I mean, we, you know, we do we do understand a few things about whose show this is. And I think, you know, if I knew that I was stepping up into a situation to have to defend myself, you better believe I'll be prepared. It's not about, hey, you ripped WWE. So how could you come out with a scripted response? It's about I'm getting my words in order. I'm here to bring it. And I think it was brung. I was disappointed the way the fans responded. Look, this is not a calculated heel turn. This isn't entertainment. This isn't BC, you know, turning on all the people that help make this show what it is. I'm just a little disappointed. In the end, Adam, final sentence, I get that I quote-unquote ruined the the buzz of people's SummerSlam experience by laying in that Brooklyn bed and telling the truth. And I get that a lot of my anger was slightly misdirected to the WWE product as a whole and not maybe... 1,000% directed into that SummerSlam show, which I rated a C+. Thought it was a disappointment. Still stand by that. I didn't think it delivered up to the level of the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. But certainly, I had larger picture thoughts going on in my head. And I think people were upset that I ruined their post-buzz, and that's fine. Well, I, But that's the thing. I, I do apologize for, for that part, Adam. But what I don't apologize for is the larger topic. And I think a lot of people know in their heart that I was right. And that's part of what's making them so mad. And they're misdirecting that back into the SummerSlam conversation. No, here's your, here's your problem. No one, at least that I saw, and including me on the SummerSlam show, disagreed with your general statement and attitude. When I say no one, I mean 0.0. The problem, BC, Wait, how was many that was that you... again? 0.0. The problem wasn't the opening to that show where you provided that opinion, and I said, you know, that's a fair point. You make some good things. I, I also hate that there's three schmas finishes at a major show. It was the fact that the ensuing hour and 10 minutes that we discussed SummerSlam, you couldn't enjoy anything that happened because that clouded your judgment and ability to see that, guess what? SummerSlam was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't as great as good as it could have been, but it was 
perfectly fine and not the worst summer. We've we've had worse SummerSlams and worse WrestleManias than we did that SummerSlam. True. And you treated it, and you treated it like it was the worst major why show did WWE's I? ever. Why put did on. I though? It was the timing. You said there's been worse. So yeah, in 1993, let's say for example, just throwing out a year. It w- it, it, they could get away maybe with not the best SummerSlam. I'm not, I'm not specifically talking about the 93 SummerSlam. Why can they get away with it then but not now? Explain. Uh, because the competition wasn't as intense in 93. In 2005, oh, come on. they could have gotten away. In 2010, they could have gotten away with a ho-hum SummerSlam. 2018, a week before All In, a week after G1, the night after the, arguably Brian. the best takeover. Yeah, Adam, you can't, you can't, Brian, you know. there's, there's I'm other. I'm just curious. When the hell did you turn so corporate? Brian, there's other wrestling, but there's not competition. They're not dealing with a WCW where they and that's this is why they're they, they're not raising their game because they're not dealing with something that's actually pressuring them and hurting their bottom line and causing fans not to go to you know events and order T-shirts and and pay for the WWE network. So no, it's it's completely misguided on your part. And again, you want to praise NXT. Well, guess what, buddy? NXT is WWE. Which Sorry. really fuels my point even more, Adam, that the same company can put out something on one day, see the response, know the critical value. Look, I'm not saying, hey, WWE, you have to be NXT. You have to be NJPW. Be WWE. Just be a really good version of it. Be who you were last summer into September. Remember we had Cena and Reigns? Remember we had all, like, be be as yes, good as can, you can be, it WWE. Can, it can always be better, and we saw that on oh TV those two so nights you, following SummerSlam, and we saw it, I think, a little bit on one show this week, BC. But you know what? We started the show before we went on air, and you said, hey, let's give a hot hour of In This Corner and not go long. Well, guess what? I don't know how long we've already spoken, but it's probably been 15 minutes about non-show well, topics. No, it's been, it's been important. This isn't important. It's been 10 minutes, and it's been important. And here, okay, and that's, well, I'm trying to get I I'm think that's to ultimately the thing. I'm not saying, hey, fans. You have no taste. I'm not saying, hey, Adam, you stink and you don't get it. Well, part of, actually, that latter part I'm saying. But I'm, what I'm ultimately saying is. This coming from the guy who scripts his promo. Go you're, ahead. you're enabling. I'm prepared. That's what I was. I was prepared. No, you scripted a promo. I'm, you're enabling them when, when you just sort of cover up and say, no, nah, SummerSlam was fine. What are you talking about, guy? When there is a larger problem here, but we that's... all know it. We all see it. We deserve better in 2018. Not doesn't have to be the same thing. But it has to be better, okay? That, that and look, that, that's I've got so many DMs. Only I don't need to print them out to show you. But I have so many DMs of people who are like, I don't understand how Nick and Adam could be upset. You nailed it. So look, people Brian, get it. Because people again, hear Jimmy. again, the general no one. You make it seem like I disagreed with everything you said. I don't. I agree with almost all of it. What I took issue with was the attitude that permeated the remainder of the broadcast. And for you not to understand that and try to keep flipping it around like I'm in total disagreement with you with your thesis that WWE can and should be better and has the horses to be better that's wrong and it's misleading the listeners and you know why you didn't have a list of all your your tweets and DMs because somehow those only made it directly to you where all the tweets that agreed with me made it to both of us isn't that interesting well uh, well, one I'm secure but two also DMs are private they're direct so that's sure probably, they were all you guys you got probably, i'm sure you got dozens of dms that were all on your side i mean, 100% I, mean I did but that's that's sure that's fine you know that's sure. fine that's fine this guy this guy's silver king hey so uh to close you know we don't know what's next uh, i hope nick will be back i hope he'll have a chance i can i can apologize i can extend the hand we don't know we don't know if that third chair is going to stay empty if it's going to go to thanos backland or one of our passionate listeners or we're going to have a in this silver steam spinoff podcast if you and i keep going against each other we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> 
But I do know one thing, Adam. I think you can agree with. You're a manager to a degree. Hiring, it could be a challenge, <laughs> right? I'm your manager. Go ahead. To, to a degree, to a degree. Hiring can be a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple. It's fast. It's smart. A place where growing businesses connect to the qualified candidates. It's that easy, really, that place. ZipRecruiter.com. And really, to show how much we love ZipRecruiter, it's ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. Because we're in on this, Adam. We believe what's going on here. How ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But do they stop there, Adam? Do they? Do they stop there? No, certainly. Look, I've hired multiple jobs for CBS Sports. Um, you know, writing positions, not to Brian's level, senior writer, Brian Campbell, but, you know, other other positions. And ZipRecruiter has been has been truly a fantastic product uh, for me to utilize with. They have a powerful matching technology. What they do is they basically scan thousands of resumes to find the right people, the right experience. Then they shoot those resumes over to me. And as the applications come in, ZipRecruiter actually analyzes each one and spotlights the type top candidates. So I never have to miss a match. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And I can tell you from experience that is accurate. So with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, listeners to In This Corner can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash corner, ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. And you know I'm going to say it one more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. I think you may have just said that five times. It's all about defying. It really is. It really is. And we may get to that later as well. But we got to start the show, Adam, since we're about an hour in already with the most important topics of the week. And that, of course, is the main event. This is the main event. So the Silver King somehow now becoming an optimist after being a pessimist forever actually wanted to start with something positive here, but that's not what we're going to do. Instead, we're going to talk about the end of Monday Night Raw and Braun Strowman seemingly turning heel on Roman Reigns after just a short while earlier giving up his Money in the Bank briefcase for for a Hell in a Cell match with Roman Reigns at Hell in a Cell. BC, what did you think of the way Raw ended and how this storyline weaved throughout the show? Hey, WWE creative. Congratulations. You played yourself. I mean, are you kidding me right here? Look, I'm not, look, again, I'm not going to come out and do the big heel turn. This is not what this is all about. But you had me, WWE, last week on Raw when the this Shield came back. This one's legit. Whatever you say here is legit. Go ahead. The Shield came back. You had me, right? Braun Strowman feuding against the Shield. We said last week, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the Wyatt family? Is it going to be this, you know? Yeah, he has to turn heel for that to happen. Am I upset that he turned heel? No. Am I upset that he's feuding with the Shield? No. But am I upset, Adam, that coming off a really good Raw last week, which did, did have to get, force BC to take a, take a step slow and say, okay, I was really angry Sunday night, but Monday night they won me back over. They took a big step back with this Monday night, and there's one big reason. Where does my anger come from when I don't like WWE's booking or when I tell you WWE main should be better? And why I love NXT and NJPW or even Impact. By the way, Impact's really good right now. I did see last week's episode. It's really hot right now. Why do I love all that? Because the story, Adam. The story is always the foundation. The dots need to connect. It needs to make sense. When it doesn't make sense, who's an idiot? The characters are an idiot. The, the watchers, the, the fans are an idiot. The way they handled this with Braun Strowman doing 
an ultimate babyface move in saying, I will not cash in on you, Roman Reigns, behind your back once again. In fact, I will ultimately sacrifice my briefcase to meet you at Hell in the Cell, which is like almost like Karate Kid Part 1, where it's like, well, don't touch Daniel until the, tur- until the All-Valley Tournament, right? It's something weird like that. Only that's an ultimate babyface move. And in the same episode, he's going to turn heel? No. No, Adam. And there's other problems with that, too. Why would a monster, a giant who's proven he can win the tag titles alone, basically, who's proven he can do any win battle royals alone, why does he suddenly need heel help? That's an argument, too. But the biggest argument is that we're ultimately made to look like idiots here, to believe that Braun, who is so powerful and cool, can be that dumb that he's going to give away his briefcase? Like, what this does, Adam, creatively, and I'm going to toss it up to you, is it says, hey, fans, the next three weeks don't matter because he's not cashing in. He cashed in to get a title match at a pay-per-view, which is the opposite reason of the damn briefcase. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing when John Cena has it and he wants to make a point, right? And and he's saying, hey, I'm a good guy. I don't need to do this. So here's the date that I'm going to cash in. I want to set it up. You know, let's go for it. Or when Rob Van Dam does it because he wants it to be at ECW one night only in front of a home crowd. Exactly. There's reasons for that, okay? This was a complete mess. And you're focused on the end. I want to talk about the beginning. The open of the show made no sense. Roman's Roman has been very good cutting promos recently. His promo was absolute crap. Braun Strowman only being able to like scream and talk in that fake put-on voice that makes him a cartoon character. He didn't say anything original or anything noteworthy and then why exactly are Dolph and Drew McIntyre coming out in that segment to it challenge make any for sense. a tag match that means nothing which is really it the, make, it, that's it how they do any... it on Raw and no you... I know I know it, it was ridiculous it just didn't make sense and then Baron Corbin coming out and actually having the balls to say the line I'm gonna do something that none of you expected and book these four in a tag team match at the end of the show guess what you played yourself Everyone expects and that. So that. And there's moment, no way and there's no way that was on purpose that he that he said that. And no that way. moment, you know what that did to me? It was so obvious that they played their hand with a Teddy Long special with a tag match you knew you saw right. coming that I was prepared until he literally gave the briefcase back to Corbin that it was gonna be a setup for a cash in, or that Corbin was gonna cash in, or that KO who quit earlier, we'll get to that as well, is gonna cash in. I actually had big expectations for them because the week before show was really good. So I said, even though this is the most they're predictably setting you up to have a meaningless main event that's going to end in a smudge and it's just going to be whatever. I was thinking, well, no, maybe they're going to fool us here. No, Adam, they didn't fool us. Their reveal was a heel turn. But again, you ruin the heel turn by making Braun look like an absolute idiot. Now the heel turn means nothing. So I'm salty because it doesn't make sense. But I'm triple salty, Adam, when the second that show ends and you go on Twitter and WWE tweets out. That the Shield will, if it's official, the Shield is going to have a six-man tag match with Braun, Dolph, and Drew in Australia at the Super Showdown. So, yeah, shout-out to Omar Al-Rashid, Jax Browner, all of our— By the way, we have, we don't have, like, three or four Australian listeners. Seriously, we got, like, 38 of these guys. Like, they're out of control. These guys are the best. They can have that match because you know what this proves? BC right, Adam, because Mania was a setup for Saudi Arabia and SummerSlam was a setup for Hell in a Cell and Australia. And if you thought the next three weeks don't matter because now you can't cash in, 
Well, really, well, the next month doesn't matter because bro, they just showed you their hand. They showed you the cards, Adam, because what's the most important thing right now? Ticket sales, not TV. The TV money's already in the bank. It's coming. It's already cash. They already, they already bought things with that money. First of all, you're jumping around way too much here. There's a lot to unpack from what's going on. But to jump over to the Australia thing, SummerSlam was not a setup for Australia. Okay, WrestleMania was a setup for Greatest Royal Rumble. You're right. But SummerSlam set up Hell in a Cell. And this Australia, Australia thing? No, no, no. Th- their booking since, their booking for Hell in a Cell is also playing into the Australia thing. The biggest issue that WWE has is they're not treating these special shows, the Saudi Arabia, the Australia, like real shows. So because of that, they need to simultaneously book for these shows out in advance because they need to sell tickets. Now, for Saudi Arabia, they didn't really need to because the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was going to pay for the tickets no matter what. But for Australia, they actually need fans to sign up and pay, and they want to set a record at this stadium, this uh, rugby stadium, I think, or whatever it is, right? That's great. So, That's great, WWE. So, no, no, no. Let me, let me – so the fact – you know, trying to, trying to get my entire thought out here. So the fact that they did a heel turn wasn't bad. I don't mind them turning him heel. That's okay. That's a fine decision. In fact, they actually need more top-level heels on Raw, so that's a good move. But the fact – and this is what your point is, basically. The fact that they did it now as opposed to Monday after Hell in a Cell when Roman retains, let's say, with the help of the Shield, and then you have this happen, and then you still have three weeks until the Australia show, is nonsensical. It doesn't make sense that these three guys are together. It doesn't make sense, as you said, that Braun would need help from anyone. And then the fact that at the end of Raw, the go-home moment, you know, the final picture, which is always important, is Braun Strowman holding up the arms of two other guys. Since when does he ever allow anyone to help him, let alone be the one who, like, thanks them for their help? Like, even with Finn Balor, when they tag-teamed for two weeks, it was like, oh, this is a little buddy. It's a funny little friend thing. He didn't, like, put him on his shoulder and walk around with Finn Balor. You know what I mean? It made no sense. It's horrible booking. F them. Wow, you know, we people can't see us speak right now. We almost had this moment about two minutes ago. How about you guys shut the F up and let me talk for a minute, Silver King okay? fired the heck up here, all right? Close. Wow. Uh, you know, you're, you're right on those points, but this is what the feeling you get when this ends. And yes, they are booking for ticket sales. They're not booking for creative. It, creative doesn't matter. That's my problem, guys. That's my, I know you didn't like my message. You didn't like my methods, but my message still makes sense. They're they're rolling. They're they're wiping their ass with money, Adam. Okay, I said. Can we say ass on the show? Yeah, of course. Okay, I said ass. They're wiping it with money. They're sleeping. They're bathing in money, and money is all that matters. Yeah, it's a business. I get it. Just wake up, Campbell. But still, now it's permeating completely. It's not just like lazy booking. It's booking that just calls their shot so far in advance. It's just like telegraphed booking that only leads to ticket sales. So when we leave Monday's episode. We realize the, the contract doesn't matter. The briefcase doesn't matter. Money in the bank didn't matter. Braun winning it didn't matter because, look, he could have got a title shot anyway. He's Braun Strowman. You need to so put that... him in the title picture. So you ruin the briefcase yeah. and you sacrifice both Braun and the Shield reunion for Roman. Now, we already knew about the Shield reunion part. It's strategic. You're sacrificing the Shield reunion to try to get Roman cheers. But now you're not hiding the fact that you're only involving Braun to completely Get and you and you said he had to turn heel. Hundred percent, he had to turn heel. I argued Nick that last week. He had to turn heel to make it make sense. It didn't make sense the way they did it, 
and you took something like the shield coming back that I was so fired up for, and now it's like, oh, I can I see what this is. So could it change? Could next week be hot? Yes. BC's not going to jump off a cliff. I'm not going to cancel the show. Am I threatening to say let's just not talk about Raw for a while? Yes. But that's where I'm at right now as a fan of being honest with you. I still like things. I still like things on this episode. Well, maybe at least one thing. But this episode, Adam, was a step back from the week before, and it's very disappointing because, again, last year, hot fire at this time. This calendar year, it's not good. This calendar year is not acceptable. The Build-A-Mania oh, wasn't okay. strong. This calendar year is not acceptable. Get get upset. Go ahead. But it's true. And, one, and somebody's no, got to stand up for the fans. It, it was going to be me, but this guy can do it too. I'm asking you to do something for this business, not for our legacy. Not for the guys in the back. I'm asking you to do something for the fans. Can somebody do something for the fans, Adam? So, what I was trying to say is that it's it was always going to be a step back because last week was so good. But to be this much of a step back is really the disappointment because it, it wasn't good throughout the entire show. Like, there were two moments, I think, that stood out on Ron. Hopefully we talk about them before we get out of this segment. But it just... The, the entire story arc of Braun Strowman, and again, good for them actually weaving it through the whole show. These are things we ask for, and it's something that's good with Brock on because it allows that to happen. But man, like, like everything you said is just it was nails on this, particularly because they're booking for this other show in Australia, and I don't mind them doing it. But if you're gonna have these special shows, book them in storyline or don't. Those are your two options. Either have it completely void from storyline, announce matches, make them awesome, and just have them, and it doesn't matter what's going on, or make it your monthly pay-per-view, because they're only going to have Evolution in October. So what is the harm of waiting and booking a couple of these matches, maybe the Ronda match, maybe she doesn't wrestle at Hell in a Cell, maybe you book the Ronda match, maybe you book the Triple H Undertaker, maybe you have a couple other things, but dude, they already have announced AJ Styles Samoa Joe for Australia. And they haven't even fought at Hell in a Cell. So granted, you could say, well, no matter what, there's going to be a third match between them. But what if AJ gets injured? What if Samoa Joe wins the title and knocks AJ out? You're, you're, they're giving away almost the fact that this rivalry won't be settled in at Hell in a Cell. You, you nailed it. Because we still have a match ahead at Australia. It's unnecessary. It's I don't a, mind them building up these pay-per-views. It's but you can be so much smarter. You can be smarter. You can set people up for reveals rather than give it all away. I didn't have this scheduled in as a, as a DM slide, but it did trigger my mind when you were saying that. So, hey. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? It is an email, and it does come from this guy who not only fashions himself on the Mount Rushmore of our DM squad here, of our fine listeners, but Adam X. Parsons is trying to become the MVP of our listeners. He's another Adam, so you know that. But he had hit me up a couple last night and basically was like, would WWE seriously consider doing a six-man Hell in a Cell match between the Shield and the Strowman squad? I mean, there was a six-pack Hell in a Cell match at Armageddon 2000. Now, I immediately responded to Adam with being like, that would have been a great idea. But they played themselves by having to make this a title shot and by essentially taking the, the briefcase and putting it on ice with Ted Williams' head and Walt Disney's head for a while. And just so they ruined it. Adam, you know what would have made this pretty much hot fire? Tell me if I'm wrong. Bron cashed in on Roman on Monday night as his teammate. It would have been, we would have predicted it, but it still would have been executed fine. And then Adam X Parsons' idea, six-man Hell in a Cell match. Would you not be fired up considering the six guys involved in that? So you're saying he cashes in and Shield kind of interrupts or, or helps Roman win? Because this, this, is, this is the missing psychology in this. 
why wouldn't Braun have kept the briefcase? Of course. Cashed in on Roman, and then as a heel in his mind, utilized Drew and Dolph, who already hate the Shield, to keep Ambrose and Rollins from running in. Perfect execution of booking. That's where you would have made that heel turn a monster success. And then, instead of putting the title on the line, which I get why they're doing that in Australia, wouldn't the Shield versus the Strowman squad six-man cage match, like Adam X. Parson said, that's hot fire right there. No, of course it is. And it's and the only reason maybe they didn't do that is the universal title has been so rarely defended that part of the reason of getting it off Brock and onto Roman or Braun or whoever is to actually have it defended at every pay-per-view, especially the major ones. And this isn't a major fo- top five, but this is a big pay-per-view. Hell in a cell every year. So I could see them not wanting to do that. But let's not act like WWE during the Attitude Era didn't have tag team main events with big name stars like Austin Rock versus Triple H Michaels. That's actually wasn't one, but I'm just trying to give you an example. They did this all the time where the WWE champion was still involved in the main event, but it was a match that they built up. So of course they could have done this. I would have loved for him to cash in, got screwed over by the Shield. They do a six-man Hell in a Cell. And then afterwards, Corbin says, you know what, uh, Braun? You actually didn't get a real title match. We're going to do Roman Braun one-on-one, the match you deserve in Australia. That's not tough booking. And the biggest thing that you mentioned during that little diatribe there, you mentioned it earlier and I forgot to respond to it, is you're a million percent right about the briefcase. They completely ruined the value of the Hell in a Cell briefcase, not just because he turned it in early, but because they took away the moment. Hell in a Cell briefcase is about the moment. Even Alexa Bliss this year cashing in at Money in the Bank. Did I say Hell in a Cell briefcase? I meant Money in the Bank briefcase. Um, Even Alexa Bliss cashing in, you get the crowd pop. That's what you do it for. Him handing it to Baron Corbin and then just walking into the ring when he would have deserved the title match anyway because he's Braun freaking Strowman. <laughs> it makes no sense. Shame on them. Wow, it's even convoluted. Hey, look at this. Silverstein and I agreeing. You, you're back on the you're back on the on the on Well, the, I always agree when it's week. bad, I like man. It. I just I like it. You, I'm not gonna repeat myself. All right. Well, we also saw what may have been, and I know again, we call everything the greatest, the best, the greatest, the best. This is the yeah. best thing yeah. we've seen in the last eighty eight days. That Seth Rollins. Kevin Owens, match on Raw. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not counting 205 Live, which is putting out friggin' classics, but is this the best Raw or SmackDown match of the year? And I'm not counting NXT, because that tag team match with the bearded English guys was yeah. off the damn charts. But for a... Do you mean since Mania? Since the, this turn of this calendar year, I mean, I don't have, I don't have, you know, things to debate it. But I'm just saying, off the top of my head, this um, felt like the best Raw or SmackDown TV main roster match, and I love that it came together out of nowhere with the open challenge. And Kevin Owens treated this like it was friggin' WrestleMania main event. I mean, the springboard uh, moonsault. What the heck's going on here? This was a fantastic yeah. match. Uh, you know, I would really have to think about it to say it's been the best of 2018. Charlotte Oscar at Mania was really good and really no, underrated because it was, my, it was my, short. But I was saying regular TV, so really it's a weird oh, statement. I'm okay, saying of the regular you. TV Raw and SmackDown matches, I mean, this is friggin' fantastic. It was really good. I mean, Rollins has really gone absolutely crazy with good matches this year. But in terms of entertainment value combined with great wrestling, it might have been. And, man, like, I wanted Owens to win the title. Now, I'm thrilled that they have him in a storyline here. And folks, don't work yourself into a shoot. The guy just resigned like a four or five year deal. He's not quitting. He's not retiring. The only kind of negative thing is like, I have to point this out because it really annoyed me as a fan, as someone who likes wrestling and likes continuity. 
They have Owens quit in the middle of the ring. The next camera shot is Dolph Ziggler backstage being interviewed. And the interviewer doesn't say, hey, Kevin Owens just quit. Remember when you did that in December <laughs> after, after winning the United States title? Like, maybe put a little buffer between there. It just really annoyed me that they didn't do that. But no, aside from that, it was a fantastic match. The, the promo that Owens cut coming to the ring, perfection. And the execution of the match, him never hitting pop-up powerbomb, and him deciding ultimately at the, at the end of the match not to hit his frog splash and instead trying to do something different to get one up on Rollins and losing because of it. That's how you book matches. Wouldn't surprise me if Tyson Kidd booked that one. Yeah, and, and you know him in that promo, playing to the Canadian crowd and then turning on them instantly is textbook beautiful heel stuff. And I love that I have no idea where this is going, and that's what I love about it. And, and like I said, it would have been damn near perfection if he would have stole the briefcase or you know worked with Corbin, who they've worked together already in the past few weeks, and come in and somehow cashed in and worked his way into the main title picture on Monday night. I know that's extra convolute WCW level convolution. Yeah, but it, it is. But you know, it would have it would have uh, it would have been interesting. Him I, getting I, the briefcase because Corbin just hands it to him. Is you know, WCW. I'm not saying it all would have made sense, but I'm saying I got yeah. those feelings when he walks off. And, and the, the point here is that I don't know where they're going with this. I like it. I sure. like that. Uh, before we get into the second part of the main event, Ross Stunk, we, we established that. I thought SmackDown was fine. I didn't think it was as good as last week. Was there anything on SmackDown that, like, jumped out at you that, that was like, I mean, did you like Daniel well, Bryan? I, I, it was good stuff. It didn't move me. Well, but... I, I think it's unfair to say that Ross Stunk when now compared to last week, it definitely did. But when we just had the Owens Rollins match that we talked about, that took three segments of the show, I think, and we had something else we're going to mention in the second part of the main event here that was really good in my opinion. It wasn't a great show, and the beginning and the end were awful, awful. But to say the whole show stunk, and eh. regarding SmackDown, I think you're poo pooing it a little bit. That was a very good show. It wasn't as good as last week, of course, but top to bottom, I was talking to Jack Jorgensen, our other editor here at CBS Sports. We were thoroughly entertained for two hours. There was not a moment of that show that I said, oh, they're really screwing something up. And on a week-to-week WWE TV basis, if you give me SmackDown from this Tuesday, every single week, every single show, I'm happy. It's not going to be amazing, but you get one or two moments, and the rest makes sense. Well, I like that it I was need. dialogue heavy. I know this separates me from certain uh, viewers, and that's fine. But I, want my, I have said it a million times. I want my Raw and SmackDown to be dialogue heavy. You can still have an attack without a match. I think Raw is way too match-heavy, and that's ultimately part of why it becomes a drag to me, and I get why it's match-heavy. When you're there in the crowd, you want matches. Matches are exciting when you're live. Talking segments drag when you're live. But when you're at home, man, I want trash talk. I want... I want fun trash talk ultimately and that's that's what we don't get enough of Smackdown at least had that as its basis uh, I guess I just wasn't moved ultimately by some of the reveals like the Samoa Joe AJ Styles thing was great the Daniel Bryan thing was great but it, it's sort of like okay we moved the chains we, we didn't hurt anybody we went forward it's yeah. fine well, well they're trying to serve a couple masters here like you said they're trying to serve the in arena audience the people at home and I think I've seen something that WWE's done and, and this is the only thing I'll really mention about Smackdown here but ever since Wrestlemania since Seth Rollins started doing the open challenges on Raw, and since Daniel Bryan and some of the other guys on SmackDown started wrestling more regularly, it seems to me like WWE has put a concerted effort to put a work rate, quote-unquote, match into every single edition of TV. And oftentimes it does involve one of those guys. But the fact that this week we saw Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, put on a three-segment barn burner of a match, and then we go on to SmackDown, And we actually finally, for the first time, 
see Daniel Bryan, Andrade Cien Almas. And yeah, it was a schmas finish, but that's okay. That was one hell of a match and told a great story throughout. You believed Almas could have won the entire time. Daniel Bryan, I think that was the best thing he's done in the ring since his return to the company at WrestleMania in ring action wise. I love that match. So I find it interesting that we're going to criticize WWE every week for their storytelling, and that's fine. But we want them to cater to the high-quality wrestling audience that wants good matches. And every week on both shows, I have noticed they're giving us at least one. And previously, they were not doing that. I'll take that. Yeah, that certainly does serve that master of us, you know, indie Mark NXT fans. I want the match to matter ultimately or to be a rare match in an open challenge type thing where you're like, oh, I, I didn't imagine those two wrestling. I mean, remember Zack Ryder in his hometown had that open challenge against Cena and they, they you know, the week after Sami Zayn did those are certainly fun. Uh, let's get into the second part of this main event, which it involves WWE women. It was a, a pretty big week in a lot of different ways for WWE women. And really the biggest headline was the continuation of the Becky Lynch heel turn. Adam, I loved her calling her a bitch. I love her standing tall over Charlotte after Charlotte defeated Carmella in the main event in their mandatory contractual rematch. Do you love, because you were overly hard on the Becky Lynch heel turn. I know a lot of a lot of listeners are, a lot of fans are on the internet thinking this is the worst idea ever. I'm completely fine with it. I want to see where it goes. I'm, I'm okay with it. Did you like where it went this week? Well, I think there's a difference between Becky Lynch doing a good job with the booking she's been given, and she's doing a great job with the booking she's been given, and a heel turn for her being the best move, okay? Those are two very different things for me. So the booking up until this point, in my opinion, was awful. And when I say that, it's really just last week, right? Because her turning on Charlotte at SummerSlam was fine. Um, it moved the story forward. That's what we wanted, right? It was something gave her an edge that was great. But her coming out last week and cutting a promo, crapping on her fans as a heel, when it's been abundantly clear that fans are behind her every week. Now, you can make an argument, heels are delusional. You know, They feel things in their own mind that aren't in reality. And that is true. So that's fair. They're flawed humans. Becky, like Nick Clastos, they're flawed humans. But but with Becky, I mean, it's pretty clear the audience is behind her. It's it, it's really difficult to, to make someone believe that. So what I thought they did this week is they actually took a step away from their heel booking and made it badass booking. Now, whether that continues, I don't know. Whether that's a change of pace from what they originally planned, I don't know. But what she did in that match, or after that match, I should say, by taking her out, holding the title, calling her a bitch and throwing it down at her. That's what a badass does. And she got roundly cheered and Charlotte got roundly booed. Clear as day. So one of two things is the case. Either they changed course because it was clearly a heel turn last week. So either they changed course or it's completely working against them and they're leaning into it. I hope it's one of those. Tell me. So I'm that, that's a fair point on what you said. I didn't necessarily think there was a change of direction. I mean, this is this is spiteful booking and that's good because she's mad that Charlotte tried to steal her thunder and that in the history of their friendship ultimately Charlotte was always the the golden girl the golden boy the one that got pushed the the one that got the advantages and then stole her thunder and stole her title when she finally had this long-awaited opportunity that's why I'm completely fine with the heel turn do I get what you're saying that her turning on the fans suddenly doesn't feel weird because they're cheering her yes but I I just kind of stand by like that's the way she's going to get over and get pushed further than she ever would so I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to be by it. Um, I don't think they adjusted because they don't 
really tend to do that. They tend to keep going. They tend to just drive things into the ground and keep pushing. The Roman Reigns as a babyface thing is a thing. But my whole thing on why this is all going to be great and we're all going to look back and be like, wow, we got mad for no reason, is that Charlotte can avoid, she can absorb the booze, guys, because at her core, she's always going to be better as a heel in the long run because she's Ric Flair's daughter. So she can Correct. more than accept the the booze, become Reigns for a season. That's fine. So again, this is different. We want different. We want Becky being pushed. We're getting all of that. So just enjoy it. It's this week. Good. Good. No, you're right. No, no. Like, and that's, that's not really thing. at you per se to really know, everybody. Just just enjoy it. You know, I mean, look, no, we need more sunny days in our life. We have too much anger on the show. Oh, I was waiting for the sound drop. No, I, I, I thought I, I saw you looking down. Okay, I, thought, I looked down. I was you telling this. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, keep, fine. keep, keep uh, um, No, no. So I, I agree with you. Like, ultimately, they're pushing Becky Lynch and they're pushing her hard. It was the main event. It was a big turn on a major pay-per-view. Good for them. But I will not accept that last week's promo made sense. Like, it, it, it was bad, but it was bad writing. Maybe the booking's not bad. The writing was bad last week. I think they fixed it. I like what she's doing on social media, no longer being a smiley, happy, whatever. But I'm going to tell you, BC, if they end up doing this title match at uh, Hell in a Cell or anywhere else and Becky wins, she's getting cheered. It's going to be super loud, and there's going to be no way for WWE to couch that. Which will mean it's it just worked. A- Which will mean it worked in the end. Because it got but they were, they, But no, but they would have done it anyway. They would cheer her very loudly anyway. Like, it's different. People were cheering Braun when he was being a heel against Reigns because they hated Reigns. They're cheering Becky because they love Becky. It's different. And, yeah, but the, and, and what you said is, and what you said about it being okay for Flair to be Reigns for a season, no, it's not. No one should be Reigns. No, no one should have to deal with fans fighting against creative. That doesn't mean creative has to do everything fans like. But creative can't be so bad that fans boo it and take it out on a superstar. That's what's happening with Reigns. Okay, let's move on. There's more women's WWE stuff to talk about here. And by the way, like you said, Big week for the women, and I loved it. We talk about them being unable to book more than one woman's storyline at a time per show. Well, they're doing it. There was two or three on SmackDown and two or three on Raw. Now, granted, they do have a pay-per-view coming up, but at least they're doing it, and they're not rushing the match announcements for that show like they are Australia, with the exception, obviously, of Trish Stratus. Yeah, they're slow playing Bl- everything for the evolution. You're right. They're doing Because they're well building it like a real pay-per-view for once. As a, you know what I mean? Like, they're treating it real. That's what they need to do with Saudi Arabia and Australia. But speaking of Trish Stratus, surprise return on Raw. This was the number two moment for me on the show in her home city of Toronto to interrupt Elias, talk major trash to him, and slap him square across the face. Holy cow, hero, go for yeah, it! Yeah, this was this was really fun, and I and I'm it's weird. I'm I'm oddly not a Trish Mark, and, and like look, uh, yeah, obviously, obviously, but I, I'm not like this, and I would never been, and maybe I still have stigma to that women's era, and I do. It was, wasn't a good era. Yes, Trish and Lita did change the game. They are pioneers. They did. They were and the Mickey. bridge to get us to this point, along with Mickey, along with you know, you know, whatever. But I didn't love that era. I didn't love her, to be really honest. I thought she was kind of overly loved by people sometimes for other reasons when I didn't think she was that great of a wrestler. I love though that she's coming back into this new era where there are great wrestlers. And like she did at, at, at the Royal rumble where she, I thought she was great. She's going to have to step up her game, but specifically to this segment worked perfectly. Anytime you're doing the hometown thing, it works. Elias was fantastic ripping Toronto, but most importantly, 
they had great dialogue. They allowed Elias to make fun of her, bring up you. You're, you've been home changing diapers. You know, you're not part of this era. And then doing the hey, you don't look bad for sixty. Everything, every note they hit was perfect. It was great. Well, be, because they allowed him to talk to her like a peer, as opposed to a woman, right? Like like talking down to her almost, right? And allowed her to stand up to him and do something without kicking him in down low. I almost said something else. Um, so that's why it worked because they treated Trish like an equal to Elias, which by the way, not only is she an equal, she far surpasses him. I find it interesting that you were not stratified though previously with Trish, Trish in her first run, her original full run with WWE. I think, I don't know why you have that opinion, but she was, the reason she was cheered so loudly and the reason people liked her, not only was she beautiful, obviously, but she was the one worker, and yes, Lita and, and Mickey too, but Trish above all, above both. She was the one worker who was the version of WWE women's wrestling that is closest to now, right? And they wanted it then, and think about how long it took for us to really get it. That's why she was cheered so much, because when they put the, they actually would put the title on her for extended periods of time, and she was a real wrestler. It wasn't Sable, it wasn't Kelly Kelly, you know, it wasn't Stacey Keebler. It was uh, someone who came in as a fitness model and actually cared to become a good wrestler and became arguably the greatest WWE women's wrestler of all time, you know, not counting the old schoolers and, you know, all that stuff. So that's why. And, and I no, thought I, mean, I get why she's sure. It's just weird that I always looked at her as the face of a division and era that I didn't like, even though you're right. She was the best of that group. She was the, the one that got us in a certain degree to where we are now. And she would belong where we are now. But because she represented that group. Maybe the wrestling fan of me was like, "Ah, oh, come on, we don't, we don't want." Well, this. better, the, better look, her that, than being sable with thirty-eight special size. Right, and that's not necessarily a sexist thing. That's an entertainment thing. It's like a lot of NBA oh, yeah. fans who wouldn't watch a second of WNBA, and that's just the, that's just what it is. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean women's basketball is bad. I I watch college women's basketball all the time. It's just it's not connecting. I, it didn't connect with me back then. Four Horsewomen connects with me now, so I'm actually really pumped up for Evolution. Great to have these legends back. She wasn't the only legend who's back. Adam Segway. No. Yeah, good segue. And I was going to, I had my own segue, which was, let me tell you what didn't connect with me this week. And that was the Bella Twins returning to Raw, making another surprise appearance and basically just announcing that they're returning to Raw next week in a tag team match. They're going to fight and that they'll apparently be obviously at Evolution and going forward. So I have a couple of things to talk about here, but one of them is this Is Brie Bella John Cena? Because she's fighting on SmackDown. <laughs> She's fighting on Raw. She's a free agent, and Nikki apparently is not. So what the hell's going it's on there? It's weird. It's really weird. Like, it's working because, uh, you know, I like Brie. It's, it's great. She's doing actually really good work on SmackDown, so I'm, I'm down with it. But what's weird is she's ultra babyface as Daniel Bryan's wife on SmackDown. But I feel like they're teasing that, you know, the Bellas are going to lead to a heel turn and then, you know, the rumored Nikki uh, – Ronda Rousey match, which is out there in the dirt sheets. Sorry to be a spoiler alert, but that could be in play for Evolution. They could be building to that. We don't know yet. Also, there's rumors for Horsewomen versus Four Horsewomen is on the agenda in the future. So there's a lot of good stuff that could be coming in women. But if Brie is a baby face and a heel at different times, that could get weird. I'd like more crossover, though, in this. More, hey, if you got a faction that includes people from both brands. Let them be on both. Let them be behind somebody on one show. And I know you could say, well, what about the other guys in the locker room? They're not getting an opportunity. Well, sometimes you got to you got to put I just want factions. I want more factions in my life. But we don't have any fa we don't have any factions. No. We have zero factions on Raw or on on main roster. Well, we got Go Sanity. Ahead. We have New Day. Wait, no, the, the, not a faction anymore. Three people group. 
Oh, man, where's the social outcast when you need them? Oh, wait, they're called the B team and they're the tag team champions. Um, Yeah, so, look, I'm down with this because it's a slow play. That's that's ultimately it. I find it weird that they force the Bellas into everything. It's not that I don't like them, but they're so... They're more of a remnant of the Divas era than Trish, even though Trish came before them, right? So having them as the face of, wow, women's evolution, we're such a big part of it, you did. They were the part of the bridge, sure, but they were models who became wrestlers, but didn't try to the level that Trish did. You know, um, and, le- and left for big, uh, for yeah, reality for careers, for a reality show, uh, just and, as women's I mean, wrestling they, was taken off. But I, but they can play into that though. And here's the thing: what I love about can. the best part about the Bellas is their great heels. So the best work I ever thought the Bellas did was like opposite Nikki Lee as a heel. And like just totally being ridiculous. AJ, being, you mean right? Uh, yeah. AJ Lee. Who's who's Nikki Lee? Where'd that come from? Uh, opposite Nikki AJ. Bella. Nikki Bella. Oh, AJ there you Lee. go. There you go. Opposite AJ yeah. Lee as a heel there and doing the whole Mean Girls thing. So if this leads to a heel turn, then you can work into the dialogue. The whole you don't belong in this generation, which is which they've done a little bit at times and would would really juice this up. Yeah, but I still like. I don't want to see Ronda Nikki. I understand why it's a big match for them. I get it. Okay. Huge number one crossover star in Nikki Bella and other crossover star in terms of actual athletic performance in Ronda Rousey. I get it. That's a big match. But if that main events evolution, that's really no, but that's sticking a foot up our ass in terms of what this is actually about. The main event of evolution should be Becky Charlotte. That's your, that's the, that is an example. Uh, yeah, but you can't with Rousey star power. You can't do it. So if you want to argue it's, it should uh, be Rousey Sasha, I'll get behind that argument because it of would course be, the, yeah, yeah. It would be a friggin' fantastic match. And but look, I'll, I'll say this about Nikki. She can work. She's the lowest of the group of women I can work. I, so she's the worst of the people in the group of women that I think can work. But I think she can work is what I'm trying to say. Whereas Brie. I don't. I still to this day the one problem with Brie, she's not a believable wrestler. She's too thin. She does power yeah. moves that don't make sense. Nikki can work. She's got. She knows how to act like a star. She's a great heel. I'll be down with that. There's a lot of star power involved. BC's in. I'm in. All right. Yeah. I want to clarify. I want to clarify. I'm not trying to crap on Nikki at all. Like she's fu- she's good. She's not great. She's good. Um, there's something interesting happening. I just want to say this before we move out of the main event here. There's a small subsection of women's wrestlers who are purposely, it seems to me, holding on to the divas' name, Carmella, Maria Canellis on social media. And you could add, if they turn heel, the Bellas. I would find it interesting if there was almost like maybe a faction or just a group that tried to almost chip away at the women's revolution by saying it was just as good before and we're hot and we're blah, 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 and play into that angle. I just find it interesting that they're doing it. I don't know that they're going to follow through with it, but I want to get it out there because God forbid something happens without the Silver, Silver King making a prediction. And one last thing very quick. I know I'm joining on here. I've said it the last like four or five weeks. Carmella put a good match on Tuesday night, and she is getting better every single week. I am thoroughly impressed by her. Silver King! Uh, interesting point on Divas versus this generation. Do you know what, if that happened, what it would actually represent behind the scenes? The fact that Trips is for the NXT for Horsewomen generation and trying to get better wrestling on the main roster. And we assume it's Vince who's stiff arming that idea, putting the titles on both Carmella and Alexa Bliss, which you've rightfully mentioned, to a degree represent the former generation. 
imagine if Vince was pushing for this and said, "All right, we'll have our my girls against your girls trips." That that could That'd get, be awesome. That that would be some our imitating real life right there. Main event Adam is behind us. It's not just hot indie wrestling season as we begin this weekend. It's also football season. I know you're in the midst of it here as the college football editor for CBS Sports, NFL right around the corner, but listeners Get a, get a load of this. You want winning picks. You want fantasy advice. You got to go to Sportsline. It's a CBS-owned site that combines simulations with expert analysis to give you an edge all football season. Let me tell you something about what Sportsline members get. Picks from experts, former handicappers, and computer simulations. Also, deep fantasy analysis covering who you should draft, add, start, and more. Doesn't stop there, folks. You also get, if you're a member, exclusive advice to daily fantasy lineups from DFS millionaire Mike McClure. So here's what I want you to do. ITC listeners who are fired up about football as much as you are about this wrestling stuff, join Sportsline today and get your first month for only $1. One buck, folks. Use the promo code PASS, P-A-S-S. Just go to sportsline.com slash join. Enter promo code PASS during payment to get Sportsline right now. For $1 terms apply, visit sportsline.com slash offer for details. Hey, tell them the Silver King sent you. Maybe they'll get a beer koozie. Maybe they'll get something there. Sportsline. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's not forget it's a CBS Sports property, so we're not just putting it over, you know, as a little promo here. This actually, you support Sportsline, you support us. And that's true. The Silver King makes NFL and college football picks every week. But are they good? But are they good? Pops in as well. Are the good picks? That's the thing, you know. Well, you know, like I said, like I said on uh, yesterday's show, I hit sixty percent college and NFL last year, which is very good. I don't do that every year, so I'm not making any guarantees. But um, if last year carries over to this year, I'll make you a little bit of money as well. Wow, wow! I can't, can't say anything negative about that. You just got schooled by vintage cold. Hey yo. <laughs> Hey, Adam, it's the part of the show I'm most excited about. No no soundbite to bring us in here, but it's all in weekend. We heard Brandy off the top. We want to see things that get us fired up, things like best bouts. We want to see stuff like the revolution come back and take over because there's something the revolution gives us, Adam, that nobody else does. Without the elite, wrestling is boring and it sucks. But Adam, the elite, Kenny Omega, company, Cody, they are all in this weekend. They're back. They brought their friends. They're fired up. Give me a gauge of the temperature of your excitement, expectations, must-see level for Saturday. The Sears Center, Chicago, Hoffman Estates, Illinois, whatever you want to call it, all in. Uh, so I, I would say expectations... Excitement's a 10. Uh, expectations are an eight. And that is trying to help them because the expectation level they have set is a 10. So I'm couching mine a little bit to say as great as it can be, it would be very difficult to be as great as it can be, right? Like I'm setting it at an eight. So that way, if it is a 10, I can give it an A plus basically is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, I forgot the other things you asked me, but my, my general thesis on all in is this. It's already successful. They've already done it, okay? By being able to sell out this venue, not just sell it out, but do so in as quick as they did. To put together a card with these names. Now, if you're going to ask me, do I love the card? Not really. But it's not a promotion card. So they're not going to have three title matches and they're not going to have grudge matches. And the storylines that they've set up for the show 
are really all contained in the ecosystem of being the elite, right? I mean, this is a being so the elite pay-per-view. Let's be really honest. It is. So, so there's only really so much they could do. But considering that was their vehicle of promotion, I thought they did a fantastic job on being the elite building this. It shows that these guys are not only good bookers and promoters in terms of getting this together, but writers. They actually had storylines that paid off throughout. I think that's getting drastically overlooked. And separately, Cody had a nice behind-the-scenes five-part documentary called All Us that showed some of the uh, difficulties, I guess, in putting it together and some of the things. It was non-kayfabe for the most part. Uh, some of the difficulties in put it, putting it together and, and some of the things he went through that I found thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, this is a lot I of do- interesting stuff that I've seen. But, you know, the, the Bucks and Cody were just on Jericho's podcast last week, even though that was recorded back at Dominion. But all the major podcast interviews they've done, all the stuff, it's, it's just interesting. Well, well no, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there because as much as I want to be all in with all in, let's be candid, break the fourth wall. I requested interviews with the young bucks six, a minimum of six times. And I was, I was put off, put off, put off. And then it never happened. I, so, I was denied Cody at the launch when they sold out, but in his defense, he did like the, the three biggest ones, right? He did like Austin, uh, you know, Jim Ross and somebody else in succession and then didn't do any other ones. So, I mean, I get what the, they were ki- the king there. does not know of what you speak in terms of other bigger podcasts than in this corner. But I can tell you again, I reached out multiple times, not to them directly. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not blaming them, but to the right person. I found, finally found the right person to talk to, was told it would happen or that it would happen eventually. And it never did. It, and does, the last it does two emails got ignored, too. I will Not say it does temper my excitement a bit because we look, I'm all in on the revolution. I'm all in on this idea. I want to have Cody on this week right now to get you fired up for it. And it wasn't able to happen. I don't hold it against them because I get what they're doing. I'm all for this succeeding. I'm all for this winning. I'm not as excited as I maybe could be or would be. I do have high expectations that the show is going to be like an entertainment smash. Like we're going to watch that and be thoroughly entertained. I'm a little bit, while the lineup I think is great. I think there's so much potential for great matches. And they did get enough big names where you're not worried. Like, I mean, you got Okada, Omega, Cody, the Bucks. I mean, you got some other special guests, Rey Mysterio. You got some people in here, Okada, Bushi, where you're like, okay, we're going to see some good matches here. We got Pentagon. I mean, we got some things, but they didn't get the Jericho, Daniel Bryan, uh, CM Punk. But they they were never going to. That was your fault. Again, this is your fault for raising your own expectations with things that aren't going to happen. And I think the reason, one of the reasons why is they didn't need. Now, one of those guys still may, I mean, look, CM Punk's going to be in the city that weekend. That's where he lives. Even though there's reports coming out of Cody saying, hey, I tried to get Punk in a not. For all we know, he could make a big surprise. Maybe. Punk could come out, do a speech, whatever. It could be awesome. But they didn't do what I thought they might try to do, which is just splash the market with some giant name to try to get as many crossover WWE fans as possible. But like you said off the top, it played out probably different to their expectations being that it sold out in like, you know, a half hour where the victory came way early. It wasn't like this week we're like, will they get there? Will they sell out? Will will they win the bet against Meltzer? You know, that's all over with. They've already won. This show could end up being a little disappointing and they've already won. So they're talking a lot about special surprises. I'm sure we're going to get a few that are fun. It's already fun from the standpoint that you got like Sean Mooney, Don Callis on the broadcast. If you like Justin Roberts, he's coming back to announce. I mean, Earl Hebner's a referee. I mean, there's some randomness mixed in there with some of the good matches. But 
I really like what they're doing. Like, I wish we could have been there, Adam, because I like that they're doing this entire star cast and they're bringing in all these legends. They're doing, you know, you buy that pass, you can go to all these incredible Q&As and sit-downs. This, if this turns into pro wrestling's Woodstock, right, like indie wrestling's Woodstock, which WrestleMania weekend, you could argue, already is because everybody tries to profit off of WrestleMania and you go there and you can go to every big show of Ring of Honor and everybody. But if this becomes a go-to destination thing, for legends, for indie guys, then this is going to be really fun. So, of course, I'm cheering for it. I thought we'd see bigger names, but the matches we have on paper here do have a lot of potential. Yeah, I would have liked to have Cody right here. I would like to have Nick and Matt right here to tell you about it. They didn't want to join the In This Corner, but they're not dead to me because we, we got the same goals, Adam, the, us and those guys. We're both, we're both Mavericks. We see the future. We can hear Jimmy. We know that we're in a boom period. And you have to say, for as cold as your heart was to the idea that the revolution is real, there were certain things back in December and January, Adam, that we said had to happen. This is one of those. This is, was a surprise. This is a big deal. This whole revolution, wherever it's going to end up going, is going to go somewhere big because of this. And this is a good time for them. So we're going to tell you what we want to see on this match and all that. But I did hear on that Jericho podcast enough out of Cody and the Bucks for me to believe that they're not going to WWE in January or whatever. Because they talked on and on and on, Adam about that they never want to be produced or directed again, and that they got a taste right now as indie stars that they never want to be in that spot again. So that was an interesting nugget for anyone saying, hey, good luck, Supercard G1 next spring at the uh, at WrestleMania weekend if you don't have all these guys. I think we're going to have all these guys, and I think all in is just the kickoff to that. Well, I think there's a couple things to clarify here. Uh, in terms of calling me cold-hearted about the revolution, it's not that I didn't, want to believe in it or that I don't enjoy what's happening. And I, I said revolution without quotes there. So that should say something to you. Um, but my whole point was that having good matches a year ago or six, nine months ago was not revolutionary. What, what to me spells revolution is when it actually impacts WWE in some meaningful way, because right now, yeah, wrestling's going great outside of WWE and it's getting better seemingly by the month. But until it actually impacts them, is that's that's kind of the line I was waiting to cross. Well, what's now happening is it's impacting them. It's not hurting them financially. It's not hurting their ratings. It's not really changing anything. But it's changing the way uh, – not changing anything in terms of them financially is what I was saying. But what it is changing is the way they go after talent, the way they try to take markets you know, and, and hold them tighter than maybe they have at any time since WCW. And it's changing the way that they – like I said earlier in the show – put matches on television that are of a, such a high quality that I really don't remember seeing from WWE previously. And like I said, it's the Seth Rollins, the Kevin Owens, the Daniel Bryan, the Almas, those matches that we've had really since WrestleMania. So it does speak to me like things are changing. And like I said a few shows ago, what really said that NJPW and, and ROH have made some impact, although I believe it's way more ROH, uh, NJPW than it is ROH, is that MSG show. So I'm really excited and curious to see what happens with that on SummerSlam weekend. In terms of the Bucks and Cody and Kenny, and I think Hangman Page was the other one, they all said that if they did go to WWE, they'd want to do it together. Of course, I agree. I don't think that's happening this year, and I, it may not happen next year either. It may be a two-year scenario. Eventually, I do think they're all going to go back because the money's going to be there. But there's no indication for me that they're ready to slow down, to stop. I mean, it's interesting that they haven't re-signed yet, but at the same time, 
I don't necessarily think that matters because from what I can tell, Kenny in particular, and he's really the, star, the straw that stirs the drink here, always kind of wait until the end of his contract to resign anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had no anticipation of them actually going to WWE next year. Did you? No, I just I've heard more people say that than ever before say that, you know, hey, good luck on that G1 Supercard, but who are you going to have on there? And I think people need to realize, like, the freedom you get in the independence is a big deal to these people. The freedom to do the matches, the promos, the schedule, exactly how you want. And look, this is the ultimate example of that. These guys are promoting and putting on a show all by themselves. And, you know, they had the options of major sponsors. and They turned them down because they really want to do it all in themselves and put themselves on the line. It's very interesting. Well, it's it's. <laughs> Cody's clarified that. Uh, first of all, Ring of Honor is helping them out substantially with this. And he's also gone ahead and sold every part of the ring to various, not sponsors, but individual people putting money up so that they can pay for the remainder of the show. So, you know, let's not make it is that everything that they're doing is. Well, you for... hear Cody say that Cracker Barrel wanted to sponsor the whole exact thing, right? TJ Friday's brought them into the main headquarters and dined them up like kings because they wanted to pay for everything and they didn't want it to be paid for they wanted the financial liability to ultimately fall on them since then have they done some things to probably bring in some other wrestlers and pay for travel maybe i'm just saying and i look this isn't necessarily a debate of how much did they put in i just like the spirit of what they're doing and that they oh yeah they weren't trying to bail themselves out they weren't saying hey ring of honor like ring of honor is helping them production wise but this is not on ring of honor in fact cody said ring of honor was like hey this is a big move like good luck to you like we'll help you but this is a this is a crazy move you know so it's yeah, but I I also want to make it when we talk about the WWE move, potential move or rumors or whatever, let's not make it like everything is about the art because it is to a large degree. Let's say sixty five percent, okay, is the art and Kenny wanting to put on the best possible matches that he can and have creative freedom and Cody and the Young Bucks wanting creative freedom. It's a big part of it. But if they were earning a fraction of the money that WWE could offer, if they were earning a quarter million dollars a year doing being artists, they'd be jumping over to WWE offering them, offering them a few million dollars each. They're obviously making a very good amount of money between NJPW, ROH, the merchandise, and whether All In is profitable or not, we don't know. That's not our business necessarily. But let's not act like the money isn't, it may not be the same, it may not be equal, but let's not act like it's not close enough where they're allowed to say, well, I'd rather be an artist and make 85% of well, the same amount of money. That argument okay? has to be underwritten, and this is really no different, by the way, than Hall and Nash leaving WWF and going to WCW, and the main part of the hook being instead of 300 dates a year, it's 150, right? The the whole, the schedule is – so, yes, I get what you're saying. I love that they're artists, and this is a new era, and this is a blah, 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 revolution – you're right to a degree. I mean, Kenny seems to be a real artist. The other guys are really good businessmen too, but the schedule, the control of the schedule has to be a giant part of it. Adam, these guys will tell you, I mean, listen to the interviews, these guys that have done WWE and are now on independence. Look, that's a frigging grind. That's five days a week, every single week, sometimes six. And that's like, no matter what, the machine keeps rolling. There's no days off. You may get a couple weeks off for vacation, but they can control on the indies. Right. The, the vast majority of these guys, though, the vast majority are not the Young Bucks, Kenny and Cody. So, yes, they can control their own schedule. But if they want to make any semblance of the money that WWE possibly could offer them, they are working their asses off. OK. And yes, the Young Bucks are able to take like the month of July off while the, G, the 
heavyweights and, and all the singles wrestlers are doing the G1, and that's great, and that's part of their schedule, and, and they've worked it out that way, and that's fantastic for them. But Cody has even admitted that in order to keep himself busy and to book himself to the level of money that he wants and prestige he wants, the guy's traveling all the time. He's doing a million things. The Young Bucks, I mean, being the elite was started as a travel diary because these guys fly from California to Japan all the time, not to mention around the country doing ROH. So yeah, they may, they may not be working the 300 dates that WWE is, but let's not act like they're working 80 dates a year and making close to the same money. They're working and traveling a ton and it's very difficult to schedule yourself. And maybe I think some of these guys have help. I, I think Brandy helps Cody or, or I think Cody's maybe hired someone to help him. Who knows about the young bucks families or, or their situation or what's going on there. But for a, a single wrestler, for the equivalent of a, let's say, a Cesaro, okay? This guy, Cesaro would have to book himself like 250 dates a year to come close to making 75% of the money he probably makes in WWE. So the, it's not as drastic as WCW, 150 dates, same amount of money. It's not that. Well, look, it's a, it's the lifestyle. So, so, okay, could they maybe not make the same amount, but could they get opportunities in other things? and keep their bodies going longer. And if you have an opportunity to go into acting, but you can keep wrestling on the side, I'm just saying it's more of an attraction these days. If you can be an elite indie guy, you can make money that's at least close, and you balance that out between, do I want to wear myself out in 10 years, or do I want to kind of just do what I want? And the whole do what I want thing and getting out of the grind of WWE, which is like joining the army, and that's your life. It, there's an attraction there. So that's why I don't think okay. they'll come back, but we'll see. Look, a lot just of like, good matches to, to be excited about and get into. Kenny Omega and Pentagon are going to blow the friggin' roof off under any circumstance. I am so damn fired up. Pen what Pentagon's been doing with Sammy Callahan on Impact is just incredible. The, the bleeding, the, the weapons matches. He has potential to take Kenny to, like, high star territory here. I mean, this is going to be great. Well, good for Pentagon on Impact. I'm sure the, the 175,000 people that are watching that are very much enjoying it. Um, yeah, but that's such that's a dismissive fit. WWE. We're better than you when, like, it's about the art, dude. It's about the it's about the critical. Like, in terms of us fans, we don't get the money, we, so it doesn't matter. So whether ten people are watching it or not, we have access to watch it, and it's really good. So the whole idea of like, well, that's really good, but no one's seeing it, it doesn't matter anymore. It's a technological the technological age. We can find it if we want. All, all I'm saying, the only point I'm making, I'm not saying that these guys should all go to WWE and, and get the payday. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is everyone acts like the grass is greener on the other side of WWE. And for some, it definitely is or is close to. Cody, Kenny, the Young Bucks, guys in the Bullet Club, Okada, Naito, etc. But the vast majority of independent wrestlers that are still getting paid $500 or $1,000 or $2,000 a booking, even when they're big names, okay, it's not greener. There's a reason why Pentagon and Phoenix or listening to WWE and NJPW, and my guess is they'll wind up in one or the other at some point. It's because, look, yeah, you may have to wrestle more dates, but you're also going to make a crap load more money and be known by millions more people, and there's major benefits to it as well. That's all but I'm saying. The, I didn't want that, this to get into Doesn't that prove why my Sunday night SummerSlam rant is important? Because we're in a very fertile stage right now. And if WWE keeps mailing it in on the main roster and things like all in keep happening. So you're saying right now, ultimately it's like, Hey, good for those guys, but only like seven or eight or 10 of these guys have a chance to really make money on the Indies and live a life where they could say they don't need WWE. If things like all in keep happening, 
you're going to open up, you're going to basically create a WCW. It's not going to be one territory, though. It's going to be the indies as a whole. But that's what the revolution is. If this keeps getting bigger, you're going to open up a, a you're going to steal WWE's business to a certain degree where more guys can make money and not need WWE. So that's why, yeah, and no, that's and why, I, hey, SummerSlam, I'm all, I'm entertain us. It. Dude, I love it. I'm all for it. Like, good for them. Like, I, I hope it. I hope it happens to a degree where more people can make great livings and put out really good product and we're able to consume it and it's fantastic. But everyone, the, the way most people discuss this is it's not WWE and an alternative, it's WWE and anti-WWE. And I don't buy into that to the degree that, again, it's, it's the same category, but it's a different product. So I'm all supportive of All In. I, I told you at the beginning, I'm a 10. I'm ready for this show. I'm really, really excited. I'm setting my expectations a little bit lower for their benefit because if I say my expectations are for this to be the best non-WWE show I've ever seen, well, okay, there's Dominion and you know there's Wrestle Kingdom and there's a million other things that are out there, right? So so I'm I'm in for this. I'm happy for them. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm just trying to pro- provide a different perspective of this is important, but let's not overstate that this is more important for Cody, the Young Bucks, and Kenny than it is for independent wrestling as a whole because most of the guys on this card are making 500 a 1000 They're making their rate, whatever it is. And if they have one of these every year, they'll be able to get featured on one of these every year. Unless Cody is going to really put on Dusty's you know, polka dots in here and, and start a, a promotion and go, try to maybe not go head-to-head with WWE, but try to actually do something it's really benefiting a very small minority of the independent wrestling community today. That's today, all I'm trying yes, to say. Yes, today. Today, definitely. I agree. All right. Kenny Omega Pentagon's going to blow us away. That's the match I am most excited for. Look, I want to see Tessa Blanchard in this women's four-way. I'm excited about the idea of the over-budget battle royal and the winner facing Jay Lethal for the ROH championship because, Adam, obviously, they've only announced 11 of the 15 names. So while we know, like, Moose, Rocky Romero, Colt Cabana, Billy Gunn, <laughs> Jimmy Jacobs are going to be in this battle royal, the potential for either Flip Gordon, who is still yet to be booked for this, or, I don't know, Neville? Or, insert surprise name we're not thinking of, that's pretty cool. If Neville shows up on here, wins this battle royal, and goes into this ROH title match, I mean, I'm fired the heck up, and you know that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think looking at this card, there's probably like four matches that really speak to me. And that's not to poo-poo on the card or anything. It's the Battle Royal, whatever. We'll see what happens. Like, yeah, it is. There is a, that is a unique thing. Cody has come out and said Flip will not be on the show at all and will not be in the Battle Royal. He said it's not a work, not a gimmick, whatever. That's still probably kayfabe, but we'll find out. It would be interesting if they don't have Flip on the show at all, but we'll see. The Briscoe SoCal Uncensored match, whatever. The women's Fatal 4-Way is one of the four matches I actually really care about. We saw, I think, three of these women in New Orleans fight in that six or eight woman intergender match, whatever the hell that was. Tessa Blanchard, I'm ready. Like, I want to see her on the show. Hope she wins. Hope she gets that shine. Good for her. Um, the Janela Page match. For me, whatever. Oh, that's gonna uh, Amel, be good. That's Amel, gonna be physical. That's gonna be fun. I mean, Janela does. No, I mean, things. I love, I love Paige, but I don't really care about the match. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's all. Yeah. Uh, the, if it makes you uh, violently Amel, ill, it makes you violently ill. And it makes me violently ill to my stomach. That's you know, it happens. That's fine. Uh, the Mel Christopher Daniels 
nice build on being the elite match itself, whatever. Uh, Okada Skrull, kind of same thing. Like I, I love Okada. I love Marty Skrull, but like I get the storyline. It's cool. If Marty wins, I guess that would be really cool, but I just expect Okada to win and for it to be so what a good you're match. Really saying is this isn't the best use of Okada that they could have done to try to make all in like a slam dunk. Is that what you're saying? Cause I'll agree with that. Cause like yeah, I love Marty Skrull, but he's a junior heavyweight to a degree. And if I know I'm getting Okada, man, can I put him in there against Koto Bushi? Can I put him in there against Cody again? Can I do something? You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, NJPW with their allowance of their stars, they're trying for it not to be their storylines. Right. So you're not going to get, an NJPW match with Okada on this show. And again, I'm not trying to poo-poo it at all. I'm excited for this card. But it's just, for independent wrestling, there's like, you know, 10 people that really excite me. And they have matches on this, and some of them are okay and some of them aren't. But but it's not a, it's not a WrestleMania card because it, it can't be because they're not a promotion. So the, there's not titles on the line. That doesn't mean it's not going to be great. It could be great. But there's just other things i'm more excited about like the roh world championship match i probably don't care unless the winner of that battle royal is a big surprise the nwa world championship match i'm excited about it because i'm expecting cody to win his the title that, that his dad had right love it but but that's my expectation well nick so, all this can work i'm i'm excited about it yeah you know, i get your you know and that is storyline wise it makes life storyline i mean like like personal story life storyline it makes sense i mean look okada Skrull is still gonna entertain us but this yeah. six-man tag match uh, this is the steal the show one. Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, Bandito against the Golden Elite, which of course is the Bucks and, and Kota Ibushi. This has the potential to really be the the five point seven five star match that people are like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the close of the show, if they close with Omega Pentagon and, and that six man tag, you're talking about, you know, the potential for ten stars and two matches to close the show. Uh, Omega Pentagon is by far the match I care about the most on this. I'm hoping that Omega goes full tilt, like he goes all out. Um, all out and all in. I love it. Yeah. I mean, th- that that's kind of my, my – you want to talk about expectations for the show? I expect Omega Pentagon to be a five-star match. I expect Young Bucks, Ibushi, and, and Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito to be a five-star match. Those two. The rest of the show, I just want it to be good. No, I'm fair with that. Look, I want a CM Punk run-in or a promo. I want some appearance in that category. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get Daniel Bryan for one night even to come in and wave to people. No, we're not going to get that probably, even though that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> you don't think. The guy has a, a match. Well, he's a, the thing is, he's like a rebel in that regard. So, like, he has a match. Could he show up in, in the, the crowd? And Super Showdown. Could he show he has up in the crowd? Two matches set and announced in WWE. I'm saying, I don't expect him to wrestle on the show. But could he show up in the crowd or do something Daniel Bryan ish or tweet about no. it even? I could see Daniel Bryan doing that. But yeah, I'd like to see CM Punk. I'd like to see more old school guys. They have a lot of old school guys in that weekend. Now I don't know for these WWE legends, these Hall and Nash types, does it violate their their legends deal to show up on something like All In? Probably not. But since they have so many of these guys in town for the Starcast weekend, I would not be surprised if we saw something really cool. Is that why Hogan's been tweeting NWO stuff lately? Or is that not? Because Hogan's been all over with these, with these cryptic tweets saying that he thinks that about the three of us are back together, the NWO. What does this mean? They're doing they're doing an NWO like tour with them. And by the way, I think in order for them to do that, I would assume WWE owns that copyright and trademark. So I, I would have to assume that's 
with their permission in some way. Um, all right, then if you're Hulk, you're not screwing it up by showing up at all in then. There's no way Hogan's at all in. I mean, I, I would be stunned. if Which, which does up. fuel my opinion that the timing of Vince welcoming him back was right before all in, just in case. Because you know what I would love if that music hit and then Hogan came out and was like, oh, man. And as I see the raw pink meat on your back, brother, I'm going to take it to another level. I will transform from Hulk to Hollywood. I will double strap you with both fists and you will scream to the heavens, please, Hollywood, don't hurt me anymore. And I will never stop. As long as the person he says that to is white, then we're fine. Let's be real. See, I, I would actually, in my opinion, if they want to do one legendary wrestler appearance run in, some special guest referee, whatever, fine. An abundance of those wrestlers who made their name in WWE and WCW, I think would ruin the show. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. It is about the future and what's next, although I like the Sean Mooney inclusion, certainly. All right, Adam, that's all in this weekend. We, of course, will break it down next week, what we liked, what we didn't like, what this means for the revolution moving forward. But, hey, best of luck to those guys. Cody, the Bucks, they're Mavericks. I like what they're doing. I am all in. Yes. DM slides to close the show. I did want to hear from the people. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Yeah, it actually is John Cena. And we begin, Adam Silverstein, with Chris C at Chris underscore SDG. He says, is there a chance that Corbin uses the money in the bank briefcase? It would be an interesting angle, being that he lost his briefcase last year, and he can justify it as raw GM. Adam, do you think that storyline could be in play since Constable part-time GM Corbin currently has it in his possession. Yeah, I think it's in play. I think Owen, him giving it to Owens is in play as, as you know, a way to bring him back from quitting because they kind of played into that on Raw, him kind of saying to Owens, or, or I think he was saying to Stephanie, yeah, I, I heard he quit. I, I, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Uh, so I do think there is something for Corbin to do with the briefcase. And just since we don't have it anywhere else in the show, I'm going to say this very briefly. I cannot believe they jobbed Finn Balor to Baron Corbin on Raw. <laughs> that that you want to talk about bad booking? Well, like I get it. I get it. He yeah. fully cheated to win. He restarted the match and he hit him. I get it. You heard Finn last week on the show, right? He's not frustrated about booking. He's just happy to be there. I didn't believe. Holy crap! Was that unnecessary? Give me a break. Oh, that's gotta be. That's gotta be bad booking. All right, what else we got here, Adam? All right, we got John uh, Paglio. Yes, at John Paglio. He made it easy for us. He says, so is Kevin Owens coming back as silent Kevin Steen with Paul Heyman by his side? Love the idea, Johnny Pags. Thank you for being a dedicated listener. But uh, the Paul Heyman ship sailed when they didn't let KO upset Braun Strowman at SummerSlam and then let him cash in to close the main event and have Paul turn on Lesnar and go with KO. So I say no, but Adam, I'll, I'll let you answer, but I also want to know, what is your prediction, Adam, for what this absence for KO means? Give me, give, give it to me quick. Give me four hot minutes. What do you got? I, I wish I could give you a prediction because after the Dolph thing, it's just like with Dolph, apparently they had a plan to leave him out for a while and bring him back, I guess, closer to WrestleMania. But then just one day they just said, oh, let's just make him the 30th entry in the Royal Rumble. He lasted five minutes and that was the entire return. And he dropped the U.S. championship for that. So... I can't even even if I did have a prediction, I might be right. And they that might be what they're planning to do. And then Vince just changes his mind one day. So I don't know. I'm 
I'm willing to let the Kevin Owens thing play out because I really, really enjoyed that match and that segment and the way they paid it off with Corbin on Raw. I really did. In terms of Heyman, I mean, yes, Heyman did represent CM Punk at a time in WWE, but the last thing WWE needs to do is utilize Paul Heyman for a guy who can already talk. That's a that's a very strong point. Hey, DM slide from Michael Sean at REEB82. He's a repeat offender. We've heard from him before. He says, hey, here's a wild card idea. Will there ever be a female S.H.I.E.L.D. member? Interesting, because we have talked before about me wanting to reboot the Horsemen. I've been saying, hey, maybe Charlotte should be a part of that because of the flair connection. I think you on the show may have said, hey, how about Tessa Blanchard? And eventually in the in the in the reboot Horsemen for her dad, Tully connection. Uh, Interesting timing on this question, Adam, because we saw Becky Lynch tweet out that kind of cryptic tweet with her in the bar. Did you see that? Where they kind of said like the new the new team yeah. or the new faction. I I don't know what the wording was, but it was like, hmm, imagine them together as a heel faction. I love the idea of a female member of a faction that's not just a valet. That is the equivalent of what Nikki Cross brought to Sanity, and she brought a lot with that rabid personality where she was actually beating up men. Love that. Love the idea that they would support each other in each other's matches. Who would be that female though for the Shield? That would make sense because I think the person's got to be super rugged. So I want to yeah. say like a Shayna Baszler, but she doesn't yep. have the personality where the fans would cheer her on the level of the shield, I think. So who is there somebody that we're missing? That's exactly who I was going to say. I didn't think you were going to say it. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a revelationary uh, you know, answer here. But it would be Shayna Baszler. It makes sense because you have to bring someone up. You don't want to use someone that's already on the roster. Um, but she doesn't have but, the personality. She doesn't have the, like, the shield ultimately are baby face, right? So she doesn't have the personality. She doesn't. Of course, she has the personality. She's great. No, she's amazing as a heel. I don't think she has the personality to be a smiley. But when the Shield are together, they're not all fully fa- – they're badass faces. Yeah, she could be a, a badass face. That's a fair Absolutely. Point. Who are we overlooking? Um, There's a lot of underused women on the roster. Is there somebody who are completely – like, I'm like not Sasha Banks. Like, who are we overlooking that works in this role? Is there maybe there's not there there really there really aren't any I, it would be someone that they would bring up to I, I don't think that you would introduce you would just turn or or align with someone already on the roster but to answer the actual question they didn't bring Nick and you mentioned it they didn't bring Nikki Cross up with sanity so if they didn't do that and give it a test run with that they're not going to add a female member to the Shield Vince are you kidding me bring Nikki Cross back let us get a real faction again in sanity allow them to do something maybe she comes back Tuesday they're in that triple threat uh, tag team title number one contendership situation. Maybe we'll see somebody That'd at May nice. Young because I feel like if you did this for the Shield, it would have to be a, a tall, muscular female wrestler, really muscular, maybe on the level of like a Rhea Ripley. Didn't she just, spoiler alert, win a, uh, win a title? Uh, I don't know. So thank right. you for the spoiler. Thanks. I just ruined it. All right. Well, maybe. Okay, maybe. let's let's move on. Uh, fourth here coming in on sliding into our DMs from Coach Pierce at RRHS Coach Pierce. BC, you could not be more wrong about WWE SummerSlam. Okay, I like this one already. Uh, First, we aren't the audience they are seeking. I'm 32 and love me some NXT as my number one. I don't understand why everyone loves NJPW. Obviously, I disagree with that. Uh, It's good, but there are a few things missing each time I watch that I need. SummerSlam was six hours of entertainment, 10 exclamation points. Also, does NJPW even have a weekly show? WWE is five hours per week every week. You cannot compare. You are in the honeymoon phase with NJPW. But, buddy, look at what is in your life because of WWE. WWE is the long-term wife you get irritated with, but deep down you'd crash without. Sure, NJPW and NXT are sexier. They try new stuff. (laughs) They're arm candy, but they don't cook for you. They don't balance the checkbook. 
They don't rear your children. At the end of the day, you have a fling with NJPW, but you have everlasting love with WWE. I did not know this was in the show. I like that very much. Go ahead. I had to have it in there. It was a pretty brilliant take there from Coach Pierce. It's actually so well written that it 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 almost brings me back down to earth. Like he's kind of right. Like NJPW and NXT of course he's right. Are sort of doing those. Uh, what was the words he said? They try new stuff. Yeah, yeah. They they are they're certainly trying new stuff with me. Yeah, WWE's a long term wife, but at least in my relationship with WWE, I've we've we've been separated many times. We've lived in other houses many times. Not just for like a week, for like months, even a full year. No, that's not true. I mean, you did take a br- I mean, both of us took a break before we met each other uh, from WWE. But since we've been back, we've been back. Yeah, since we've been back, we've been back. But but when I look at the history of my life as a fan, of w- there's been a lot of breaks. So maybe, I don't know. I don't always want to get into this debate of maybe I demand more than other listeners. Maybe I have better taste. Maybe I can hear Jimmy. But sometimes I do wonder the the spirit of that. Maybe people are just more likely to stick with it. But it's the way I look at it. It's 2018. It's a different this. time. The way I look at it is this: we have this podcast, this version of the podcast, the wrestling edition of the podcast. Uh, we work for CBS Sports in terms of combat sports for one reason, and. We go to these events and have a great time because of WWE. It's great that we also have NXT and NJPW because it fills in us something that we've been longing for. But let's not act like WWE, even in its heyday, was putting on matches the quality that NJPW is now. NJPW now is putting on some of the greatest matches of all time. Okay? So it's great that these things are in our lives and that our wrestling – consumption is getting better on a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month basis. But that doesn't change that WWE is the stalwart. It's the one that's always there for us. And that's what he's getting at. So yes, there's going to be down periods. There's going to be up periods. And we're fair to criticize them when they're down and when they're up. But we always have to remember that WWE is WWE. Everything else is new and different and better. They're not making WWE worse. WWE is just, that's what they are. And they have low periods and they have high periods. This is a low period. All right. I hope it is. I hope it's a temporary low period and we just forget this year ever happened. Final question here is still on this topic, and I like the question this guy asked. I really want to get deep into this. From Black Saber Jr., our man at TKCXP on Twitter. Much like you, BC, I vastly prefer the NXT product to what we get on the main roster. And like you, I attribute that success to Triple H guiding the ship. Unlike you... I think we need to address the common, quote, once Triple H is in charge, things will be better, unquote, idea that everyone seems to have. And let me insert, I have that. In Trips We Trust, yes. He says, WWE is currently making money hand over fist with its current formula, regardless of critical reception. Are we sure that Triple H will change a profitable formula drastically enough to make us take note. That last sentence, Adam, confuses me a bit, but the spirit of what he's actually asking is what? We believe me. I believe in Trips We Trust. Look at what's going on in NXT. If only Trips had the book. I say that all the time. But am I delusional to the idea that if Trips did have the book today on the main roster, things would change. Things would feel and taste a bit like NXT. Or, like Black Sabre Jr. said, is that ship moving so far down the road in the direction of money and profits and long-term for all the McMahon kids to never have to work a day in their life if they don't want to, would Trips really save it? Which Is Trips the savior? I think he is, is the spirit of this question. 
Adam? And could tri- trips and would trips do that on the main roster? That's a deep question. Well, it's the answer is somewhere in between. It's would it get better? Would the storylines be better? Would they make more sense? Would the wrestling be better on TV? Yes. Would greatest Royal Rumble money in the sand Australia show? Although we're happy they're going to Australia, so we lump it in together. We're just saying because it's not a real pay per view. That's all, that's all we're saying here. Um, but with those things, would the money grabs still happen? Would uh, the Undertaker coming out and saying the ultimate thrill ride will be your last ride? Will that stuff still happen? Yes, it will. And WWE will still cater to a PG audience, and we will have moments and and things that we don't like. But will everything be? less convoluted will it make more sense will storylines be better will matches be better yeah they will because you've seen it with nxt and you've seen it in 205 live and with 205 live he literally snapped and the next week it was better that's it so yes so that that doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect it's not going to be nxt the main roster will never ever be nxt but it can be better and it would be better with triple h overseeing it because he would ensure things makes sense. I think you're damn That's right. I think you're damn right. I think you nailed it because I actually thought long and hard about this question because it really did kind of attack me a bit inside. Like maybe, well, is this guy right? And I think you're right. Ultimately, it's it's sort of my statement to them ultimately. I know they're not going to just become NJPW or NXT and maybe they shouldn't, but be the best WWE you can be. I think trips would be so much more attention to detail to make sure that would happen. So Adam, we've done these scenarios before. My dream w- WrestleMania match is always going to be Trips versus Shane in a real-life presentation of what's going on in their family with Vince as the special guest referee. The winner gets control of the company after Vince passes, and he's got to pick in the moment which which my real son or my... And I've said that before, and it's theatrical, and it's fun, and it's great. And I think one day it would be art imitating life, and it can be great. But I had this one thought. I was on my good buddy, the comedian Derek Zoo's podcast, The Mega Potters, last week. And in the moment, I kind of came up with this, Adam. I want to present it to you for the first time. I always say... And trips we trust. What happens if he takes over the book? Well, he's only going to take over the book if Vince dies. So we have to get past that point. Vince is going to work until he dies. We know that, right? We love Vince. He's going. We know what uh, what CM Punk has said in the past. We we love playing that sound. Maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. That's what CM Punk said. But here's the point. We got to get past this point. Vince has to die for this to happen. So let's say Vince died tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm not wanting Vince to die. But it's, let's a big, just, it's, a, it's a big assumption considering he is the genetic jackhammer. But go ahead. Let's I'm just sorry. say Vince died tomorrow. Okay? I'm not cheering for it, but it happened. God forbid. So God our forbid. automatic response is, well, Trips will get the book. It, well, technically, Stephanie will get control. But Trips will get the book, and he'll be in control, and it'll take us to the promised land. But don't forget what I said about our imitating life with Shane. Shane's going to have a fight on his hands to want a certain percentage, mostly because Shane's got three sons with the McMahon name. Stephanie's got three daughters with the Helmsley name. So, well, Levesque, but so, Adam, this is very interesting. What if in real life, what if Vince died tomorrow and in real life, Shane grabs Kevin Dunn, who he's reportedly from that Vice expose two years ago, really close with. And he says, all right, in the settlement with my dad. In the will. We got the will in front of us. Shane, Vince is gone. We got the will in front of us. All right. Dad believed, Trips, that you and Steph are better to run this. But I, I, I deserve my, my, what I, you know, I deserve my peace, my part in this. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a certain amount of the money. I'm going to take a certain amount of the backstage guys, whether it's Kevin Dunn or whoever back there I trust. I'm going to take a certain portion of the roster, too. 
and I'm going to start a different company. And I'm going to call it WCW. And I'm going to call it Cody. And I'm going to sign Kenny. And I'm going <laughs> to have it where these guys can just creatively do whatever the heck they want. And I'm also going to amp it up to R-rated and put it on some badass cable network for a lot of money or stream it on the internet or whatever. And we have a real-life Attitude Era Monday Night Wars reboot all together. And it's Shane trying to prove to Stephanie and Trips that Dad should have left the company to me, and I'll prove you wrong. And Cody's the booker, and he's doing living out Dusty's dreams. And Trip turns the main roster into NXT, and we have the real third boom period. And it's World War Three, and everybody wins. I can't tell if you're talking kayfabe or real life. I'm talking real life, brother. I'm talking... Oh, well, Shane has no claim to WWE control. He doesn't have... I mean, I'm sure he has some stock, but he sold his stock when he left the company. He's there purely as a talent. We don't. We um, haven't seen the will, though. We don't know the will. I guess you could see. I guess Vince, in theory, could cede his shares of WWE. What if WWE? there's a big family fight and Trips and Steph are big? All right, sure. look at Shane. We don't want to go through the court system with you. We love you. You're you're our brother. Here, take it like a little bit and just go. Go start your own thing. And then Shane's like, I got to screw them. I got to screw them over. I'll show them. And so he starts the arrival thing. Maybe Shane <laughs> is the true key in the long-term revolution, Adam, and we just don't see it yet. Maybe. You're acting like this is succession on HBO or something like that. I, it's not, it's not going to happen. I just booked the damn universe, all right? Hey, we got to close with a field spot here, Adam, and I want to hit you with where I always hit you. It's 205 Live. This week's main event, once again, oh, my God, it was the rematch. Buddy Murphy versus Kalisto. Rematch from, what, about a month ago when they blew the doors down? And also, it continued the storyline of... Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy feuding with the Lucha House Party. I will tell you this. Tuesday night's main event match wasn't on the level of the week before or some of these other matches, but it's still really damn good wrestling. And it's high-wire wrestling, and it's some of the elements of the other re- promotions, including NXT, that we talk about, and it was damn good. So if you're going to watch one 205 match this week, watch Buddy Murphy versus Kalisto. It was great, and Buddy Murphy is a damn star. And I didn't tell you that I saw him in the Brooklyn Marriott at the morning of media day and he was wearing a tight and I mean like tight t-shirt that some guys look bigger in person than they do in real life. Some people look smaller when you see this guy is jacked. Push him. He's going to be a star. He might be a star in Shane's rival WCW promotion, but he's going to be a star. Well, yeah, the guy's not 205. <laughs> I mean, they obviously they stopped that gimmick of him weighing in all the time. The guy's like 225, 235. I mean, he's huge, um, but no, he's awesome. I didn't get to see 205 live this week. Uh, just due to time and me not feeling well, but uh, I will I will watch it obviously before next week's show. My feel spot is something that we somehow did not mention on this entire show, and holy crap, get the siren because this hit me in the feel spot. While New Day was celebrating their fifth WWE World Tag Team Title win, they started talking about five-time champions, and I got an inkling inside that they were going to do the Booker T five-time promo, do the spinneroonie, everyone smiles, happy, end of segment, right? Even though I had that in my head, I did not expect King Booker to show up, do an entire promo in the ring, not just do the King Booker promo, but turn a little bit to the other regular Booker T. You know, tell me you didn't just say that part. You know, give nicknames to all the guys, get into it contentiously well, didn't with he Biggie. Say you Saxtoned? Would they try to like you? Yeah, say, yeah. He said so he is Saxton that like you're an Uncle Tom? Is that where they were going with that? I don't understand. No, I think like screwed something up is what he was trying to say. I mean, 
Jeez. Um, but <laughs> holy crap. Um, but my point is, it was as perfect of a segment as you could have, giving those variables. Kudos to WWE. They surprised us with Trish on Raw. They surprised us with Booker T. And Booker T's around all the time, but it was so good. It was so well done. And you know segments like that with New Day, like the Time Machine one, can really go off the rails sometimes. Perfect execution. Major feel spot moment. I loved every single part of that. I was fired up. I was smiling. I was giddy. Every part of that was awesome. Everything in that. Booker T was friggin' fantastic. And when he did the spin of Rooney at the end, I popped. By the way, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm reading too into this. Between Big E having the hurt ribs last week and not being a part of the title win, and Big E kind of fighting Booker T humorously in this segment, are they planting some early seeds to the idea that he is going to break free and go solo? No. I'm feeling He was also wearing, he was wearing the title the whole segment. I'm feeling something here. I'm feeling something here. I'm feeling something. No, I mean, I would like him to go solo. I would like Kofi and and Xavier Woods to be the tag team champions. And I would like Big E to get involved in the Nakamura picture. Nakamura does not have an opponent for the U.S. title. My guess is he's not defending it at Hell in a Cell. I would love to see Big E be the challenger and actually win the title off Nakamura and be a single star. But they do not need to split up New Day to do that. That's fair. That's fair. All right. We got to get out of this show. I don't even know how long we are. We gave it to the fans this week. We absolutely brought it. You got anything else to say, Adam, before I hit the sound button and we get out of here? They should probably uh, check out follow our bonus us on, episode. Follow us on Twitter at In This Corner CBS, uh, B. Campbell CBS, Silverstein Adam. Um, five-star review. You know, I do want to say one thing very, very briefly. We have a reviewer on iTunes, and I'm not going to call it the person. I'm not going to read his reviews. But I told Campbell that my stack almost blew about this person. And I'm going to consider it's a guy. I'm going to assume it's a guy. This person literally after every show we do or almost every WWE show we do updates his review to give us one star for a different reason. And it's always a criticism that one of them is we went on too long, which yeah, we've had some long episodes. I do agree with that, but we talked too much about this. We talked too much about that, dude. If you don't like the show, don't listen. We got your one review. You don't need to keep updating it to make sure you're a top of the pack. We got livelihoods here. We got families to feed, and we're trying to put on the best show that we can for you each week. I love constructive criticism. You want to tweet me? You want to tweet at you know at Silverstein Adam at B. Campbell CBS? We'd love to have it. But if you're gonna go on iTunes, if you're gonna go on any of these other podcast applications, and you're gonna take time out of your day, give us the five star review. This podcast will grow based on those reviews and telling your friends to listen to iTunes. You're the biggest piece of trash I've ever met in my life. That's basically what, what Silver King was just saying right there. Wow, wow. Hot, yes. hot and fiery. It's time to go. The interview with the Silver King is, is, is over. Interview. <laughs> interview is over. You understand? Done. We out.